3: Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted. Let's talk about self control. Let's talk about self control, and let's talk about this incredible marshmallow study, marshmallow test, whatever you want to call it. Oh my gosh, so interesting so interesting. But what this show is all about is that concept of self-control. So important. And there's far too many people, products, messages, books, even researchers telling you you don't have control. Because you know what? That's easier. It's easier. It's easier to say, you know what? It's my genetics. You know what? I can't do it. And then all bets are off. There's no pressure. It's not your fault. You don't have the control. I find that so depressing. And I've never lived that way. I've always lived the exact opposite. Especially if I see anyone accomplishing something, why can't I have that? When I would be stressed during an Ironman swim, back in the, you know, well, (laughs) you know, uh, many, many races still had that stress and it just changes over time. But... What I would think to myself is, listen, if, if hundreds and hundreds of people are right here doing the same, I can do it too. And we're going to talk about control. It is so important. It's so important that that's why I started my book, The Micro Workout Plan, by saying, if you don't believe you have control, just put the book down, get a refund. It's not the way you should probably start a book, but it goes to science, people. It goes to science, and it goes to this really interesting incredibly interesting marshmallow study it's way back in the 1960s by the way but what we're talking about here is control self control you can call it willpower you can call it self regulation call it whatever you want but i'm always going to believe that i have it and that's why
0: i not only started my book the micro workout plan talking about that right away but i finished just about every podcast here, saying that we control three things. How much we move, what we put
3: into our mouths, and our attitudes. And that goes to what I'm talking about today. Control and self-control. Is it challenging? Sure, life is challenging, people. Is the food industry out to make it really difficult for you to resist temptations? Absolutely. But it still comes down to control. It still comes down to ghrelin and leptin and appetite and hunger. But there's so many articles, and it, there's so many PhD level researchers
0: who I see on a daily basis saying, it's not about self control. What, what really? Now, again, as I say this out loud, I know there are people that are going to go, We don't like you, Tom. <laughs> we, we don't want to hear that message. But isn't the alternative worse? That you are destined to be
3: in pain, to not live your best life, to not do what you want to do, to not feel good physically as well as psychologically, and to not accomplish your goals, that's worse. That's worse. Free will, choice. Now, I'm going to give you the findings from this incredible study that you can use right away because that's what this show's about. I'm not just going to tell you you have control. I'm going to tell you what the science and the research shows you can do to live your best life, to override those challenges, because it can be done. Quick break. When we come back, self-control and the marshmallow test. We'll
2: be right back.
4: Burn at GetSmartburn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartburn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with smart metabolic burn from Brain MD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, talking about self-control,
3: and basically, I'm going to talk about what it is. Again, can it be taught? Can it be learned? And why does it matter? All right, so let's just go right to the definition. Self-control, it occurs when you try to change how you think, how you feel, or how you behave. I'm going to repeat that several times throughout this
0: podcast because it's so important. But it's right there in the definition. When you try to change, if we don't have control, then we can't change. But do you control how you think? Do you control how you feel? And do you control how you behave? Of course you do. Are there influences on that? Yes. Stress, your environment, genetics, food industry, but we control it.
3: And we have to realize what we control and what we don't. And then we exert that control whenever we can to achieve our goals. Self-control regulates emotions
0: and it helps to regulate temptations. Again, thinking, feeling, behaving. Now, self-control behaviors, this is essential to the discussion right now. Self-control is ultimately done to do what? To maximize our long-term best interests. Therein lies the rub people.
3: Far too often we live in the moment. Far too often we want that quick fix. The coping strategies of food make us feel better to diminish that stress through food, through smoking.
0: And yes, self-control behaviors involve overriding impulses. But they can be overridden. All right, let me give you
3: the textbook definition from psychology today, and it will repeat some things, but this is what we're talking about when we're talking about self-control. Self-control is the ability to manage one's impulses, emotions, and behaviors. Just said that. And again, to achieve long-term goals, and it is what separates humans from the rest of the animal kingdom. Self-control is primarily rooted in the prefrontal cortex, the planning, problem-solving, and decision-making center of the brain, which is significantly larger in humans than in other mammals. The richness of nerve connections in the prefrontal cortex enables people to plan, evaluate alternative actions, and ideally avoid doing things they'll regret later, rather than immediately respond to every impulse as it arises. And finally, the ability to regulate one's emotions and behavior is a key aspect of executive function, the suite of skills that allow an individual to plan, monitor, and attain goals. There is debate surrounding the degree, here we go, to which self-control is an innate individual difference versus a learned skill. Most experts believe that people who are disposed to lower levels of less self-control can still cultivate healthy habits and take countermeasures to control their behavior. The great news. You can still cultivate healthy habits and take countermeasures. We're going to talk about those countermeasures to control your
0: behavior. How depressing would it be, or is it, to be told you can't control your behavior? that it's out of your control. I'm sorry. Ever since I was a kid. If someone else can do it, so can I. All right? And we're going to talk about this incredible marshmallow study. All right? Walter
3: Michel, the creator of the marshmallow test. I'm going to read to you right here, give you a quick paragraph on it is one of the most famous experiments in the history of psychology, often cited as evidence of the importance of self-control. In the original test, which was administered at the Bing Nursery School at Stanford in the 1960s, Michelle's team would present a child with a treat. Marshmallows were just one option, by the way. They found what the, the kid wanted. <laughs> right? If you don't like marshmallows, it's not going to be an effective test. And they would tell her, and it was boys and girls, but tell her that she could either eat the one treat immediately or wait alone in the room for several minutes until the researcher returned, at which point she could have two treats. The promised treats were always visible, and the child knew that all she had to do to stop the agonizing wait was ring a bell to call the experimenter back, or she could also eat it, by the way, uh, although in that case, she wouldn't get the second treat. The longer a child delayed gratification,
0: Michelle found. Okay, this is, this is, let me stop here. This is why it matters. And this is incredible. And this is surprising. I don't know if that's the right, well, yeah. It will be surprising to many of
3: you. Michelle found that the longer the, the kids were able to wait, the better they would fare later in life at numerous measures of what we now call executive function. It's right there in that definition. These kids would perform better academically, earn more money, and be healthier and happier. They followed these kids, who were like four and five at the time, by the way. Kids. You know, not a lot of self-control, you know, less self-control, potentially, at that age, right? It's tough. Bottom line is, put these treats in front of them. Crazy. And not only perform better academically, earn more money, be healthier and happier, they would also be more likely to avoid a number of negative outcomes, including jail time, obesity, and drug use. Yes, even Michelle will say these are correlations, not causations, but good research, greater than chance. Greater than chance. And guess what? Again, the bottom line is everything I do in life to be better is hopefully, potentially going to help. And it would stand to reason that we should be happy that we have greater self-control, that it's going to lead to better outcomes. Doesn't that kind of make sense? But that's not what you, you hear in the media today from some pretty reputable people, which, which blows my mind. And you know what? It actually gets me really angry. If I'm being honest, which I always am, and here I go, I'm going to find myself getting worked up. Because they are preventing you, they're doing the opposite. That My whole life's
0: goal in this show is helping you live your best life. If if I tell you, you can't, you don't control any of this stuff, it's not up to you. Is that helping you or hurting you long-term? It's making you feel good in the short-term. And it's really negative in the long-term. And even Michelle, I have a couple
3: quotes directly from him. The good news is that this cognitive and emotional skill set is eminently teachable, particularly early in life. What's most exciting is that no matter what our default settings might be, we unequivocally can improve our self control. Give you, I got a couple more, but. One more right now, the power is not in the stimulus, but in how it is mentally appraised. This is really interesting. So this is going to be that, those takeaways. If you change how you think about it, its impact on what you feel and do changes. Actually, i give you one more. So how you think about that reward is really important, but that's in your control. And finally, this is. The most important takeaway, I would argue, from this podcast and his research, if you see more continuity between yourself now and yourself in the future, you probably put more value on delayed rewards and less value on immediate rewards and are less impatient than people who view their future selves as strangers. If we feel greater continuity with who we will become, we might also be willing to sacrifice more of our present pleasures for the sake of that future self.
0: I'm going to take another break. I'm going to come back with so much amazing stuff about this study, but also the researcher
3: himself was smoking three packs a day and he shares how he
0: finally quit. And he did exactly what I just read to you. These are the actionable takeaways
3: that I give you from this incredible research that you can use right away. The continuity between yourself now, the visualizing the future self. All right, quick break. When we come back, I'm going to give you how Michel himself, when he was doing this research, was like, you know what? It's back in the 60s when smoking, right? Didn't have the information on it that we do today, but he got enough of it. How he quit three packs a day when we come back. Be right back.
4: intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, we're talking about self-control,
3: talking about the marshmallow study, talking about Walter Michel. and talking about two really important things when it comes to the actionable advice on self-control. The mental appraisal of that stimulus, reward, and then the Long-term thinking of our future selves. So again, Walter Michel smoking three packs a day back when he was doing this research. And let me read you a quick quote. Intellectually, he knew that smoking was unwise, but the dangers weren't hot. And I'm going to talk about what he means means by that. Uh, until he was going through the hospital at Stanford one day, and saw a man heading into a major surgery with his body marked in the places where they would be doing radiation. To treat his cancer. That image burned into Michelle's consciousness strongly enough to overpower the immediate gain of a cigarette and help him quit for good. So he would picture, when he wanted that cigarette, he would say, himself with those, uh, picture that person and himself with those
0: same markings. So changing the stimulus, the appraisal of the stimulus, and thinking of the future self. Yeah. Challenging, challenging. You got to change thought process, but that's under your control. Your willpower depends on what? Willpower, self control, whatever you want to call it,
3: that you're told that you don't have, that it's not about willpower. Yeah, it's complicated, but it depends on cognitive skills that can be learned, and motivation. Cognitive skills, changing the stimulus, changing your appraisal of that stimulus, and then that long-term visualization approach, motivation. By changing what? How we represent our temptations cognitively in our mind that we control, we can use what Michel called the cool system to regulate what he called the hot system. So let me tell you about that. And this is just, again, commonsensical, maybe, maybe not. But in his research, this is one of the greatest takeaways for you to kind of take that whole marshmallow study and say, what do I do? Well, Michelle said, basically, there are two systems in the brain. And he called them the hot and cold, hot and cool systems. And self-explanatory, commonsensical, the hot system, he also called the go system. What is that? Well, that's emotional. It's simple. It's reflexive. It's being in the moment, people. It's, it happens fast. It's basically the amygdala in your brain. That's where it's centered. And yes, it's brought on, made challenging by stress. So you get stressed. And what do you do? What do I grab for? Do I grab for cigarettes? Do I grab for food? And so the more stressed we are, the more likely we are to have that hot system engage. And that's why I talk about stress so frequently here. And that's why I talk about how that is controllable. How? So many different ways, including exercise. But it's controllable. But we live in the short term. We are reactionary. And this goes to coping strategies. And what is the cool system? Well, yes, that's the executive functioning. That's what differentiates us from animals. It's cognitive. It's complex. It's reflective instead of being reflexive, right? It's slow rather than fast. You can see the comparisons. And this is the frontal lobe, the hippocampus of your brain rather than the amygdala. And it's about self-control. It's teachable and you can develop it over time, no matter how old you are, no matter what you are doing now. And again, that's great news. So you need to start thinking long-term. This is why goals are so important. This is why going on fad diets is so problematic. You know, when I started putting this whole show together, a huge part of it was going to be about self-control as a muscle. And I will talk about that going forward. But is self-control like a muscle? It's a debate. Studies into that, hard to replicate. But let me just distill it down to this. Let's let's say that it's finite. In other words, you you only have so much self-control, which stands to reason. And when you exert self-control all day long, do you think that might be one of the reasons why later in the day is when, as I call it, the wheels fall off? When you do what? You grab for the treats. You grab for the food. You grab for that instant gratification because. It's harder to exert self control after you've been doing it all day. And that can be with your kids and your job and all of the, yes, life stressors. So when you add this ridiculously difficult stressor of a diet where you are limiting your food just dramatically on top of everything else you have in your life, do you not see where that's a problem? So if you believe that concept, that paradigm, that I do to a certain degree, that self-control is a finite resource that you can run out of it. It's diminished over time and it needs to be replenished. Like muscle, like energy,
0: and continuing with that analogy, it gets stronger over time. So we're going to pull it all together. You need to start slowly. You need to build that self-control
3: through small victories. Every time the word small comes out of my mouth, it sounds wrong, feels
0: wrong. That self-efficacy over time, that you can cope, that you do have control. And yes, like a muscle, it gets stronger and stronger. And it gets easier, and it gets easier. The short-term feel-good is harder long-term. Because you're never quite feeling good, and you're always struggling. That's why I say this, this is the greatest news of all that I do, is that there is that tipping point where the food and the movement
3: and the exercise, whatever you want to call it, becomes something you want to do. And you figure out what you can control and what you enjoy. And yes,
0: let's go back to the correlation that that marshmallow study found that people later in life perform better academically, earn more money, were healthier and happier and more
3: likely to avoid the negative outcomes. Now, I know this is just touching on it,
0: (laughs) but that marshmallow study, so interesting. And let me just throw in one more thing
3: back to the visualization of and the reframing of that treat, that reward. What the kids did, and they did this in different ways. There was distraction and there was a really interesting kind of tweak to the study where they would say to the kids, you can, basically they would, you know, describe the marshmallow like, oh, the soft, you know, sugary uh, treat. Try not to eat it. They leave the room, boom. Kid was, way more likely to eat it when it was described in that way. When they described it like a pillow, a cloud, reframed just how they thought about it
0: significantly impacted the amount of time that they delayed the gratification. So again,
3: topic for another day, but to get us started, to get you thinking about controlling how you perceive that reward like Michelle did with the cigarettes. And it goes to what so often is a topic of discussion. What is that life event? You know, Michelle saw this this guy with these markings and cancer and goes, oh, that's
0: what did it for him. But it's controllable. That's the important takeaway. And that when he perceived the cigarettes in a different way and thought of the long-term self, made all the difference in the world. And so we want to control how we think about things, and we want to think about the future. And picture yourself. That's why putting a picture, something that motivates you,
3: picture of whatever that is, is it you, is it someone else, whatever gets you personally excited and
0: thinking long-term, that's everything. But this is great news. Sure, it's challenging. Sure, it's going to take time. Yes, it involves small steps. It's a journey. All of the things you don't hear from quick fix, fad
3: diets, fad exercise programs, but you will live a much
0: richer life, longer, healthier, happier, when you say, I control it. And then you give yourself time to figure it out. And you try different things. All right? Enough. Self-control and the marshmallow test be
3: talking way more about self-control. This is a challenge I have. You know what I find really challenging? (laughs) Is keeping these podcasts short. I always feel like I need to give you so much more. But we'll just do additional podcasts rather than, you know, the long ones. Um, Reach out. Tom H. Fit is Instagram and Twitter fitnessdisrupted.com. You can email me through the site. I have a bunch of questions that I'm getting ready to put into the next listener mailbag episode. Micro workout plan, as I said. It's my newest book. And I'm kind of proud, (laughs) if I may say so, that that's how I started the book. So I say to you, everything I talk about, I do and practice myself. But you have to believe you have control. And that's gotta get you excited. And it's just a matter of you figuring out the food, the movement, the motivation that works for you. And that's why I bring you so many different guests, so many different topics. Because just like Michelle, and that one guy that you know triggered it for him, something's gonna trigger it for you. You're gonna hear the same thing thousand different times but it's it's that one time where it just resonates in a different way okay but there's science and there's control and you should get really really excited that it's up to you all right thank you for listening again there are three things we control how much we move what we put into our mouths and our attitudes and when i say attitudes that goes to everything That you think. I'm Tom Holland. This is Fitness Disrupted. Believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows